This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners. Our calling is freeing you to pursue your call to plant. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. You're listening to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast, where two church planners try to make one good point. My name is Reed, and I'm the intern pushing all the buttons. Today on the pod, school is back in session. We're covering Church Planning 101, the second step. Tie your shoes, grab your lunchboxes, here we go. So John, since we last talked, it seems that your Minnesota Vikings are turning things around and my Tennessee Titans are going in the opposite direction. It's, it's, it's not good down here in the land of barbecue and blues. Well, hey, we don't want to get our hopes up here. We're, we're always waiting for the dis- disappointment to come. So that's Minnesota sports. Uh, <laughs> just stay, keep your distance. So we have a big announcement today. Uh, we are officially members of the Society of Reformed Podcasts. And uh, what that means is we've kind of joined hands with a bunch of other reform podcasts uh, to help promote one another and just get good content out to individuals across the country. And really across the world, we begin to see little dots on other continents as we look to where our listeners are. So uh, hi, everybody across the oceans. (laughs) Yeah, we're thrilled to know that you're on board. We're a little shocked that anyone listens to us at all or takes anything that we have to say seriously. But again, our tagline is two church planners hoping to make one good point. So with all the communicating and talking that we do, I'm sure we at some level, make a good point every now and then. Yeah, no. So uh, you can check out the website, reformedpodcasts.com. And uh, there's links to all the other podcasts that are part of that. We're, we're excited. Our, our audience has grown uh, exponentially just in the past week. So uh, excited to continue to work together with them. And uh, we have a pretty funny little group chat always going as well. So uh, can't, can't get enough reformed humor and memes, you know. Uh, but what are we talking about today, Hunter? Well, John, a few podcasts back, we started a series on the phases of church planting, and we discussed the first phase. Today, we're going to look at the second phase of church planting and what that entails and what that means for a church planter on the field. Yeah, and so we talked about phase one as kind of the preparation stage. You know, after that recording, I thought we hit a lot of things, and and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, maybe we have to do phase one, part two. Uh, But all that to say, as we go through these phases, no, they're not exhaustive. No, each each planter has different circumstances. So we're just going to keep moving the moving the ball forward in phase two, which in my mind is really you you've prepared, you've moved, and now you need to decide what to do with your time. Uh, you need to start gathering people. You need to start building something. And so in my mind, phase two starts with gathering. And it's that time between when you first start meeting people and before you launch your church. That's kind of the window we're trying to hit here is how do I gather, train, equip, and prepare or begin to think about preparing for launching worship? Is that what you have in mind too, Hunter? Absolutely, John. I think that's right. And it's also important to add that that time frame can look different for people based on what setting they're in as a church plant. For some people, it can be a short amount of time. For others, it can be a long period of time. But you are trying to accomplish those things in that second phase. Yeah, so 
regardless of the, the way in which you start your church plant, the goal of every church plant isn't merely to siphon off a group from another church, but to meet new people that are outside of the church, especially outside of your sending church, right? And, and to build this new group with its own identity, its own leadership um, to reach other people in your community. And so it might be as extreme as going where there's no group at all. And you got to meet every single member from, from start might mean that you have a group of people you're already starting with. And so you're looking to grow that outside of your church. But uh, it really just begs the first question that I wrote down, which is how do you meet new people? You got any uh, thoughts about meeting new people, Hunter? So John, I would say the, the easy thing that you can do is tell others what you were doing via social media. We talked about this in the first phase and that's important. I don't think you're going to see a large mass of people come your way because of that, but it's still something that you need to focus on. What you have to do is knock on doors. And, and that's really an expression for getting out in your community and networking, meeting people, introducing yourself to people, and making it known what you have come there to do um, and, and, and who you are. And you'll be surprised at the, the number that, of people that will surface that know someone that might like to know you or might like to know more about the church plant. I think you also have to work at cultivating relationships in your neighborhood, getting to know your neighbors, figuring out ways that you can serve them, figuring out ways in which you can make known what you're hoping to accomplish by planting a church. I joined a fantasy football league in my neighborhood as an opportunity to meet guys. And suddenly I was thrust into a little community of 11 other people that had no idea who I was or, or what I had come to, to this area to do. And it, it's been really good getting to know these guys and talking to them about my plans and my hopes. Yeah. If anything, I think the key word in my mind is just kind of networking. I think there's sometimes an unhealthy uh, arrogance that a church planter is going to come and be able to like meet all these needs of people in their area. Um, but I think actually the best way to begin networking is to just really be honest about your needs <laughs> and, and as you're just doing normal stuff, right? Uh, like you said, just meeting people in your neighborhood. Uh, I mean, think of this, the very basic thing of, of having a realtor when you bought your house. I mean, that's a huge network connection. They're going to know lots of people and, and that's, that's a person helping you. You need to find an office. Well, maybe you have to get a, you know, a commercial realtor. You're looking, you know, all these of these different things, um, you're asking other people for help. You're trying to learn about your community. And as you are going through those just natural processes, uh, you know, returning your moving truck or going to the furniture, all of these things, uh, you're meeting people and there's just this natural conversation of, of why, why, am I, why am I here? When you tell people you're starting a new church, they'll really look at you funny. Uh, but like you said, you'd be surprised at how many little connections you can make. And so much about meeting new people is through networking and relationships. And so if anything, I do regret not doing more, you know, cold, cold evangelism on the street, knocking on doors and stuff. Uh, I feel like we don't do much of that nowadays. Um, and maybe we need to recover a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, meeting new people is really about connecting with individuals, uh, sharing what, what it is you're doing, why, why the Lord's called you to this area, however you want to frame that for your conversations, uh, and then just following up on any single connection you can make. Sure. I think of Hansel and Gretel um, dropping 
uh, crumbs through the woods. Um, and that's what I'm constantly trying to do. I'm trying to, to, to leave crumbs everywhere so that people can find out more about our family and about Trinity church PCA. Um, I'm also, I would encourage church planners to be prepared to answer a few simple questions. You're going to hear things like, why did you move here? There's already, um, doesn't everyone go to church? Now they may not specifically spell it out in that fashion, but they're going to ask about that to some degree. And depending on where you are and what culture you live in, there are just a handful of questions that you need to be prepared to answer and not stumble and not seem like you don't know exactly what you are talking about in terms of church multiplication. So be prepared for that. But John, here's an example. We live in a neighborhood that is, um, seems to be very quiet and we haven't met many of our neighbors very well other than the fancy football league that I was telling you about. So what we're going to do for Thanksgiving is we're having a local bakery shop here, make some cookies um, and we're going to go door to door and just give it, to our neighbors, um, I think we're going to do about 24 homes and just say, hey, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And um, we just wanted to meet more of our neighbors. And we hope you have a great day. And that's, that's it. I'm not trying to do evangelism. I'm not trying to bother them. I'm not even asking for prayer requests. And it's not even going to have a business card for the church. I'm simply going to have our name and our address. And what I'm trying to do is I'm dropping these breadcrumbs. I'm wanting to get to know the people in my neighborhood I want them to associate, um, you know, positive things with my family so that in the future, it gives me the opportunity to crack the door a little bit and perhaps talk about what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's good. Um, You know, when you talk about meeting new people, uh, there's a lot of different categories of what that looks like. Um, You know, like who, who are you trying to meet? Um, And I think there's, there's kind of some different boxes that, that people fall into, you know, as, as you go to plant a church, your first networking connections a lot of times are going to be people that have an affinity with the denomination you're part of or your particular church or, you know, the, there's just going to be the people that find you and, and tell, tell all their friends about you that all agree. Uh, and so there's, there's, that, there's that group of people. You really want to connect with them and, and, uh, and give them a, a spiel on your particulars as a church and, and the vision that you have moving forward and how they can get involved. Uh, then you have kind of the, you know, more evangelistic, uh, I want to just build relationships with anybody, right? I got to know, I got to know my neighbors, like you said, and and those don't have to be, you know, one-time conversations. You have long-term relationships you're building, you have all of these things that are going on. And so it's not that meeting every single person is a, is a pitch on joining your church, right? Um, Oftentimes, uh, as we talk about evangelism in our church, I said, you know, we're called to love our neighbors, whether or not they ever come to our church. And so if every single one of our conversations is just a ploy to get them to come to our church, uh, we're not being fully faithful to just the the command to love them. And, and of course, our hope is that they'll, you know, have saving faith in Jesus Christ. But how that comes about might be a long term. It might be through somebody else. They might end up at a different church and, and uh, all that to say, we're just meeting people, loving them and, and they might fall into different categories. It might just be somebody who's a champion for you who maybe connects you to somebody else. Um, but That's you're right. just building friendships and uh, trying to love your neighbors. That's right. John, I, I would encourage church planners to do something um, that I think can be helpful. Um, we live in a society where, 
Um, a lot of people look down on the church and they think that the church wants, to, wants their money or they, you know, the church is looking for an opportunity to use them or sell them Jesus, quote unquote. Um, so when I meet people, um, I try to remember facts about them. Often I write down where they're from, what do they do for a living, did they have children? Um, and so that when I see them the second time or a third time, I remember something about them. And that, that really resonates with people. Uh, this person cares. Um, they're not just trying to um, sell Jesus to me. Um, I have found that, that doing that tends to help build relationships with people. And over time, when you've earned their trust and you've, you know them pretty well, it enables you to move in the direction of, uh, hey, let me, let me talk to you about this church I'm starting. We would love for you to visit or come sometime or uh, something along those lines. Yeah. So uh, another category of people. So oftentimes as a church planter, the people you're going to get connected to are already Christians. Um, you know, you might meet someone and say, uh, oh, my friend's looking for a church. It might be a, some deflection. There might be, you know, even good connections you're making. Um, but I think what's really important for people to, as they go to plant a church, is to realize uh, their church is not for everyone. Uh, and if your church is trying to be for everyone, it's going to be for no one. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we're trying to do this podcast in, in a particular vein, you know, reformed and particularly Presbyterian in our world. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the most disheartening things I often see sometimes in a church plant is, you know, maybe not in our circles, but it's just, it's a generic church name, a generic mission statement no information about beliefs. It's just, we're the next coolest, newest thing. I don't even know if they're trying to be cool. It's we're the newest church and that's why you should come. Uh, it's just, here's a, you know, whatever church, Jesus, we're new. Uh, <laughs> and, it, it, and that's not the kind of churches that we're trying to plant. We're trying to plant churches that are intentionally and unabashedly committed to the truths of scripture. Uh, and that's what we believe is codified for us in our confessions. And so, you know, you're not going to convince the, you know, the guy from the wacky church down the road that your church is the best place for him. And in fact, it's actually a lot freeing, more freeing for you as you interact with people, especially people that maybe are excited about being part of a new church, uh, to know that it might not be best for them or for your church if they were to get involved. And so, I, what I've really loved in the gathering phase was the relationships I built with other pastors in town. And so uh, there was one, one more Baptistic church, uh, the guy, uh, he said, I'm really glad you're here. So I don't have to argue with uh, people about baptism anymore. I can just send them to your church. Yeah. Well, right. you know, when, when, you're, when you're gathering, you, I tell other church planners, you know, set your focus on people who are unchurched and de-churched, mm -hmm. but, but know and be prepared for the fact that you're going to have churched people cross your path. And as you talk to them, if you hear language in terms of, I want to be a part of church plan, I want to reach people who are not in church, I'm excited about this reformed work, things like that, then that's usually a good sign. That's usually a positive sign, and hopefully you can build a relationship with that person. If, if someone crosses your path who they're just putting down another church, um, 
be very careful. Um, that, that should be a double red flag because if they find problems in other churches, they're going to find problems with you. Hmm. You know, uh, the biggest red flag I've always had, and it, uh, almost without, without exception, uh, somebody who has not showed up to anything but has called me and is so excited about our church. (laughs) Usually within a week or a month that I've never, I will never see that person again. Uh, Something about, it's not that they just sent me an email and said, Hey, you know, I'm from a PCA background. I'm new to town. I want to come that. That's a great email, but somebody who is uh, uncharacteristically excited about the church, but has never even showed up. And they're asking all these particular questions. Uh, Sometimes they'll never show up. Sometimes they'll show up. (laughs) You realize there's so much more going on behind the scenes. So I, I do think that's right. Having the focus of uh, the mission of the church to reach the, the D church, those who aren't, aren't being discipled uh, to get in into this, this work. Um, and if that's what you're talking about, if that's how you're, you know, laying the casting a vision for your church, the people that are on board with your, theology, I mean, that's what you're selling them on to come be part of the mission, uh, which of course is central on, having worship happen, right? Mm-hmm. We want more people to worship Christ and that's going to happen through his church. And so, um, um right. We, we don't want to just be too myopic and just gather mm-hmm. the, as many people as we can, as fast as we can, mm-hmm. but instead really being clear on, on our vision and, and getting people, uh, who are being called to be part of that. Uh, yeah. so, so John, you, you're networking, you're meeting people. Um, you are talking to people around town, uh, in many instances, people are being referred to you. Hey, you need to know this guy. You need to hear about what he's doing. Is this is this begins to matriculate? What do these meetings look like for you? So it's changed over time, but my initial start, it was pretty uh, pretty consistent. I would get connected to somebody. Uh, maybe there was an email or phone exchange. It was coffee. Um, and maybe it was two coffee meetings or a lunch, some sort of one-on-one, uh, just me and them asking questions, getting to know them. Uh, and then that almost always resulted in eventually inviting their family over to our house for dinner. And so these are the initial families that came into our church. Uh, they had all been through our home. Uh, they had they'd all met me individually. And right, you know, there were people I met that never came over <laughs> that weren't sure. interested in moving yeah. forward. And so that was just kind of a natural pathway for us uh, meet, you know, I'd meet these people, go out, get together with them. Maybe we'd have some follow-up interactions. Uh, and then eventually it was, Hey, come on over for dinner. Um, and, and as we met people individually and began to have some more hospitality in our house, then it began to ask the question, okay, I'm not just gathering individual people to meet with me or meet with my family, but I actually want to bring these people together. And that was kind of a shift for me as we kind of got into the second part of this phase where it wasn't just meet individuals, but actually begin gathering individuals together into some sort of group. Uh, how about you? What, what was it looking like as you, even right now, you're kind of in this gathering phase. You guys haven't launched worship. So. Right. We're in the gathering phase and we're in the midst of COVID. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just really challenging. It's, it's hard to meet people. Um, they don't want to get in groups when you meet them in restaurants and stores and on the sidewalk, they're wearing masks and um, just, you know, putting my cards on the table, John, it's hard and it's challenging. And I'm constantly talking with my, my staff about, you know, 
what's the best way to move forward uh, during, during this time during COVID? Because I think it's going to look a lot different than the first church that I planted. But for me, I'm, I always try to have a meeting over coffee or lunch or breakfast, I'm not, just you know, just to find out more about the person and let them know I'm interested in them and interested in their life. And I want them to understand that if they never come to be a part of the church plan, I still need friends in the community. Yeah. I still need to know people um, who live here, who are my neighbors. Eventually, I want to try to have people that are interested in the church plant. And it becomes pretty evident early on if they're interested or they're not. And, mm-hmm. and so I want to have them into my home. I want them to see what my family is like. I want them to see my heart, um, my, my, my love for people. I want them to feel comfortable. And then, you know, usually the third step after meeting with them, then having them in my home, the third step is usually we'd love for you to try, you know, we'd love for you to come visit the, the core group gathering. Um, again, that's hard right now. Um, I think during this season of COVID, what I'm trying to do is to just continue to broadcast that we're here to meet people um, and let them know what is happening with this new church. And then perhaps down the road, um, we will be able to de- cultivate and develop more meaningful relationships. I just think the on-ramp has lengthened mm. uh, because of 2020. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a new challenge. In my mind, I, I try to always bring everything back to right, the Great Commission of making disciples. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, you want to be gathering people together. But at the same time, discipleship can take on different forms. And so if it's smaller, if it's one-on-one, if it's, hey, we're all reading this book together and we're going to get on Zoom, you know, whatever that kind of looks like, you can have some intentional discipleship. I think that's really where these go. You, you begin a a casual kind of conversation. Maybe it's intentional talking about the church, but ultimately when people are being uh, drawn into the, into your group, whatever that looks like, you want to begin that process of discipleship of, of training your people for uh, what it is you're doing, why it matters. How do you grow? Right. Uh, you're just, you're trying to invest in people and, 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 um, and so that, that can take on lots of forms. I, I do think the challenge of meeting new people and, and gathering together at this time is unfortunately being hindered. Uh, it seems like every month it's always continuing to get more challenging and, and more uncertain. Um, so I wanted to bring up this idea. You said the word core group. Uh, I've heard in different church planning circles talking about having a launch team instead of a, a core group. And, and some of the semantics are you know, people, it's kind of like naming your church. You want to come up with this great name, but at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter that much. <laughs> right? right? Like right. it's not going to make or break your church, whether or not you call this group, your core group or your launch team. Uh, some people think, uh, you know, yeah, whatever. It, it, sure. There's all of these studies about why one might be preferable to the other, but what's, what's the goal as you're bringing these people together uh, to put a launch team together, to put a core group together, what, what are you trying to do with these people? Right, yeah. I look at the core group as the foundation for the future of the church. Jesus, of course, is the cornerstone. And I tell them on a, on a regular basis, look, we want to reach unchurched and de-churched people. We want to attract people who don't know much about Scripture or who do not know Jesus. But in order to start the church, I, we do need or I need a group of committed Christians who are 
who understand uh, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, and the importance of all this. And you can certainly add on to your core group through discipleship and evangelism others who might be in different places. But in the beginning, for me, I'm looking for a committed group of people who want to build the church, who want to plant the church, and want, who want to help set it in the right direction for, for the future, for long term. So I really think, for me, there's two stages to the core group. The, the, first, the first stage is gathering believers who understand on a, on a macro level your, your mission and your vision and want to reach others for the sake of the kingdom. That would you know, be phase one of the core group. The second phase or the second part would be you know, bringing in more people, bringing in perhaps people who are unchurched and de-churched and people who have moved into the area that perhaps are looking for a church, although that could be part of the first step as well. And, and then taking this group and moving them towards worship, uh, moving them towards private worship, moving them towards public worship and, and helping them to reach the community for the sake of Christ. That's probably a long-winded explanation of how I view a core group. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, like you said, you've identified uh, potential leaders, people that are, you know, seems like God is calling to be part of this work because being part of a church plant is different than being part of a church that's already established. It, it requires uh, a different level of buy-in uh, in terms of just, uh, um, you know, it's much needier. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I remember early on, uh, you know, we had a real kind of pinch point on different little roles with volunteers. And uh, I, I always would check in with people and say, hey, don't want you to get burned out. You know, you've been doing this five weeks in a row. Uh, like, oh, I'm fine. Everybody else is doing something too. I mean, so they saw that they understood that, you know, if I'm not going to be playing music this week, well, I'll probably end up being the greeter. <laughs> so they understood that, right. Everybody's there. Everybody's serving. There's a lot of one anothering happening in the church. When I, you know, when I think about training up a core group or, or gathering people, I, I always go back to the Ephesians four, equipping the saints for the work, of the ministry, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like every little step along the way, what ends up happening is I've talked about something for a long time and then I just need to start doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the people you're bringing along. So for us, the first thing we really started doing uh, was like a small group Bible study. Uh, and I thought about, you know, doing, you know, this book or that book or everything. But I, I talked over and over and over and over again about how we want to be rooted in scripture. And, and so I thought, okay, we're just going to do a study on Ephesians. We're going to get these, everybody just has a Bible and we're going to go mm-hmm. through it systematically together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the means to which we began the process of, of yeah. equipping the saints for the ministry. We were showing them what we're going to do right. and, and how we interact with the word. And yeah, yeah so. Well, so, so we're, John, we're working through the book of Acts and now we have begun to incorporate our plan for ministry or our prospectus. And so we're going back and forth week to week. And we, and really the reason that we've incorporated the plan of ministry as a prospectus is because we, on some level, because of COVID, I think we're going to move to worship um, as, as a core group. And, but my question for you is in, in both church planting settings that I've undertaken, I was given a, a, a number of families good Christian families from a church to help me plant. 
and I worked with them sort of phase one of core group development. Um, but, you know, we have to keep in mind that our context for this podcast is North America. Mm-hmm. And, and you're in a different situation than I am. Yours was more of a scratch plan. So what would your rebuttal, if you will, and that may not be the right way to say it, but I look at as a core group of uh, developing Christians for the work of church planning in order to reach non-Christians, the de-churched, et cetera. So how would you respond when you've come to an area and you don't know anyone and you don't have a group of people coming from another church? Yeah, so it's, it's the same uh, in, in the sense that our, your initial group is going to largely be made of people that are already Christians, that are already, you know, understand a lot of the same kind of things that uh, they're, what they really are are people that haven't been able to find a home, right? And so I remember some of the most encouraging kind of comments early on were from our initial families that they feel like our church is their home. Um, you know, they were in a Baptistic church and were baptized as kids and didn't want to get rebaptized. So they couldn't even be right. a member or, um, you know, or they're reformed and, you know, they've been going to this church and they got, right. And they just have always kind of never felt like they could be all in. Um, and so, for our initial group, I would say we had three families right off the bat that we got connected to um, that were just longing for and waiting for a church like ours to come. Mm-hmm. Right. And they each brought a friend. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that was kind of the, the genesis of our group is these, these six families that uh, th- they were relieved when we came, they were excited to get on board with it. They knew that, you know, this, little group wasn't going to be the end all be all we needed to reach other people they they got the mission but ultimately it was a it it was a home for them where they could really invest and i think that's ultimately what you want for a church as i said the commitment to a church plant is is a lot higher Uh, but for people that are being called to be part of it that's not a burden sure right because it's something they can be passionate about something that they own uh right? They're the one, yeah. you know, you're able to delegate off things yeah. to them and they're able to own it and, uh, and see the fruit from it. So John, I had a re- retired church planner tell me one time he had planted four churches. He said, you know, even as we, in this, in the midst of this podcast, we've been talking about who we can meet and who we can talk to and where we can go and what we can do and how we gather people and how we develop and form our core group you know, his words just are ringing in my ear. He said to me, never discount the power of the Holy Spirit in bringing Mm -hmm. people across your path who have a kingdom vision for planting new churches. The Holy Spirit can do that. And I cannot tell you how many times at the end of the day, I feel like I've failed because I haven't done enough and my own theological tradition tells me that it really is the work of the Holy Spirit, and I need to be trusting in Him more and more through prayer. Yeah, amen. I mean, one of the first things we began to do is have a, a prayer meeting on Sundays. You know, we weren't meeting for worship, and and that's that's a tangible way to be reminded of that reality that you just need to continue to be dependent on the Lord to raise people up. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's that's a good word. Uh, just to give kind of a couple of, I don't know, uh, boots on the ground, what it looked like for us as we were gathering these people together. Uh, so we had a prayer meeting. 
Uh, we had a Bible study. Uh, by the way, having people who aren't 100% on board or understand all of your theological categories really makes your Bible study fun. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, and uh, because they're asking questions that other people aren't even thinking to ask. And so you get to dig into some things. And, and uh, so, you know, evangelistic type Bible studies are just a blast. Um, uh, we, we began to do uh, kind of like a bar night theology at the bar kind of thing. Uh, that was a fun way for people that could invite a friend to it. Uh, we could have some debates about things. It was just a, a, a low, low pressure way to come and get connected to our church and the people that were there. Um, and then ultimately we had this really intentional, how do we, how do we build towards the next phase? And so what we started to do is every other week we met, uh, midweek for, uh, what we called interest meetings. And that was where we went through all of the particulars. Why are we planting a church? What type of church are we planting? What's the Presbyterian church in America? Why are you having kids in your worship service? What kind of, you know, what's, what's our philosophy with music? What, what can we expect this to be? Who, what are we doing? Who are we reaching? How are we going to do it, right? All of these questions that you've been answering kind of informally with all of these people. Uh, and once again, it's another way for people that are new to hear it for the first time, people who've been there from day one to see it systematically kind of laid out and, uh, and to really help, you know, cast that vision over and over again. And that was, that was a really formative way for us to just continue. It was helpful for me to work through it every week, to have to put those together uh, and to update it onto our site and all those kind of things to crystallize all of those um, categories. Uh, and, and really that began the next conversation of what are we trying to do here? Mm -hmm. And by the time we work through it all, that's really when we started to really think about launch. Okay. Mm -hmm. we, we've talked about everything. Let's mm -hmm. start doing it. And that was, Fine. that's kind of the last training phase of the gathering is now we need the people in place, trained and ready to actually do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're clearly, our core group is in this phase and we're talking about worship maybe sooner than later because of COVID, but the stark reality is that we don't have enough people. And so we have to continue to gather and, and it is hard right now. And so if you're a church planter listening to this and you resonate with this, um, aren't we thankful that we have the Holy spirit to help us and comfort us and that Jesus is at the right hand of the father praying over us. And those are all things that are comforting in the midst of church planning, which can often be a very self-reliant thing. Yeah, and it can be tiring. Um, you know, I will just be an encouragement to you, Hunter, and to anybody else listening. I mean, it doesn't take much to really turn things. Uh, you can feel that negatively all the time. One person moves away, and you just feel right. like oh, yeah. so deflating. Sure. But you have, uh, uh, you know, I remember uh, it was after we launched, but we had two new families jump into our church, and it was just, it felt like we turned a corner super fast the people mm -hmm. that were excited about it were on board ready to serve and um so you, you know it might seem like oh we need we need all these things but uh the lord can raise up one sure. one person that can really be a, a watershed to sure. to really the next yeah. next step right uh next That's motivation right. and uh That's to be right. an encouragement so so john we've talked about phase one and we've talked about phase two we want our audience to know and to understand that we realize we have we haven't come close to touching all the the subjects and the points 
that would fall under phase one and phase two. We're going to progress to phase three and then ultimately phase four. But we hope this podcast is around for a long time and we're going to be able to circle back around to address a lot of the issues that maybe were not addressed in phase one and phase two with specific podcasts like evangelism and fundraising yeah. and things of that nature. So just hang in there and, and keep listening. Yeah. And if you have specific questions, things that we missed that you're curious, you got a question, uh, that's what we want you to shoot us an email or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and, um, and ask so that we can, uh, we can address that in a future episode. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the next conversation. We got other interviews along the way too. So stay tuned and we'll see you next time. That's the last word for now. Thanks to Auxilio for sponsoring this episode. And thanks to you for listening. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter and Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at fivepointschurchplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.